and welcome to Barely Educated. I'm here with Mark, and we're going to talk about some bears and some baseball and whatever else may come up in the conversation today. So how you doing, Mark? Good, Chris. How are you? Well, I'm doing well. I got a new book in the mail. Can I say something about my new book? You can. I got a book in the mail called Five Views on the Exodus, Historicity, Chronology, and Theological Implications. And I got this book because the general editor is, drumroll, Mark D. Jansen. That's wow. me. I am in the presence of an educated author and editor. I'm impressed. I look forward to reading this. Fairly educated. <laughs> I don't think yeah. I'll understand much of it, but I'll, I'm going to read it anyway because I think it's... You got this. Yeah. And next time I see you, you'll have to find it for me. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. I'll put FTP. (laughs) (laughs) Always and forever, my friend. Anyway, it's here. Welcome to episode six. We are talking about a hodgepodge of things because there's not a whole lot going on that's drastically important in the Bears world, although there is a juicy rumor. Yes, there is. But I don't know how much to make of it. You want to leave with the juicy rumor? Oh, you, you take it. Okay. Well, according to a couple people on Twitter... You know how it goes in the modern era. Mm-hmm. These things break on Twitter. The McCaskies are in discussions like amongst themselves, I think, and maybe a couple of them, the smaller stakes owners, about selling the Bears in the near future. Uh, the Bears. This is a Daily Herald article by Jim O'Donnell. Daniel Greenberg tweeted it out. And the long story short is... They would be selling probably to the Ryan family who already own 19% of the Bears. The guy's like 88 or 91 or whatever he is, and his son would be involved. He's like in his 50s. Um, So that's just something that this Daily Herald story reported. Of course, it also, you know, there's also the usual rumored rich guys that want to play with football teams like Jeff Bezos. (laughs) Uh, Neil Blum, I never had heard of him before, is another name that's been mentioned. And then that got, of course, Twitter and Reddit and everyone else kind of going gaga over the idea of the Bears finally being sold by the McCaskies. Yeah, uh, in the Daily Herald, I mean, that's a legit newspaper. Yeah, this is not a, you know, goofy website or something. Or blog, you know, someone's, I heard the Bears are selling the team, yeah. This is Mark with Barely Educated. The Bears are selling the team. No, it's not one of those sources. Yeah. But it seems like it's in the very early process. And then uh, the, the question would, of course, be who, why, what will they want to do with them? I mean, there's so much we don't know. Yeah, one thing I found interesting in this article is, uh, uh, here, I'll just read the quote here. The most striking reply came from an individual with exceptional knowledge of the working dynamic within the McCaskey family. Which that is person said, there is some eter- internal strife and eternal life. There is some internal strife going on among family members to sell now. The strife makes perfect sense, even if it is opposite to prevailing thought that the franchise will never be sold as long as Mrs. Virginia McCaskey, age 98, has an earthly say. And I kind of think that's uh, probably the case. I can't imagine they sell the team while she's still alive. You know, is that fair to say, you think? I don't know anymore because there's another theory. Again, 
man, is it ever speculative. So like big old grain of salt that one of the reasons behind this would be to make more money instead of an inheritance tax, giving up the team, they give up the profits now because when Virginia goes, if they sell it, the inheritance tax will be through the roof, regardless of whether we have a conservative or a liberal president, which of course it would stand to reason right now that it would be Biden based on her age. And the bears went from like $110,000 to three something billion. Yeah. That's going to be a whopper of a, of a tax on that as an inheritance tax and an appreciating asset. And so I think part of the logic could be to avoid that humongous tax, which I don't know, I mean, several hundred million and sell now. That's one way people are trying to sort of frame this to see why. But yeah, internal strife could relate to that. I also thought it was interesting in that article that the Jim O'Donnell had asked whoever his source was, did you see that part too? Where he's like, what will happen first? The bears will be sold or the main building at Arlington Park will be imploded, meaning they'll move to Arlington. Mm. Even money at this point. Like, so like, I mean, this idea of the bears moving out of soldier fields, get it, fields, uh, is, do is also kind of been in the news lately and we haven't talked too yeah. much about, I don't know if these things are related, but they are kind of bigger picture topics, which I think they fit for us to talk about here yeah and that there have been rumors for a while now i guess that i never heard before that uh, uh when they blow up arlington racetrack in arlington heights that uh, perhaps it could be a home for a new stadium and i like the idea of the bears having their own stadium because soldier field constantly has sod problems you know they, there's so much going on there because it's owned by the chicago park district yeah, having to work with the city all the time seems to really irritate the Bears a lot. It seems like a really hokey setup in the modern NFL. I just feel like a new state-of-the-art facility would modernize the whole franchise, hopefully. And it's the second smallest stadium right now in terms of seating capacity, if I uh, remember that correctly. And so the, the Bears, they're the third biggest market, they need to have one of the larger capacities, don't they? They could fill it out no matter how big it got. Well, how cool would it be for Chicago to have a state-of-the-art new facility that could host Super Bowls and such, too? Uh, yeah, that would be very cool. Another line from the article, the Bears are, have been basically, uh, what was it, CD sellers in a spotify world. <laughs> I thought that was good, too. Uh, yeah, basically true. How do you feel about that, the Bears leaving Chicago, but still in the Chicago area? Oh, I, I am all for it. Soldier Field. I love the history. I'm a historian. I love the iconic pillars, and I think the rest of it's terrible. There, I said it. It's the worst field, actual physical playing surface in the NFL, and an embarrassment way too often on that note. Uh, it doesn't generate as much revenue as a stadium for an NFL team should. Not thinking here that the Bears are cheap, because they're not. They're incompetent. That's different. I would like to see the Bears take the next leap into the rest of the league and the Niners play in Santa Clara right the Cowboys play in well Arlington and so this is no big deal as far as the city thing goes it's not like they're gonna have to rename themselves to the northwest suburbs Bears (laughs) yeah yeah uh the Giants and Jets don't even play in the same state as their team yeah right exactly And, and look I know we all love the history and all that and it's great but like forgive me but this doesn't have that story to winning tradition 
a fresh start isn't the worst idea in that sense. It's not like they're leaving Lambeau. Yeah. They're leaving a place where they won one Super Bowl ultimately. True. Like, it, you know, it, it, I don't know. I love the lake and the, the look is cool, but the other option would be rest it from the park district somehow. And as long as it's a monument, that's basically impossible. And that's why this conversation even takes place. Because otherwise they would have just bought the thing forever ago and done what they wanted with it. Yeah. Remember when they renovated it and everyone's like, so uh what'd you change? You know, it's like <laughs> very little actually done to it. They had that year in Champaign. I went to a game in their year at uh, Illini headquarters. They lost to the Bucks. It was horrible. Henry Burris started, I believe. You were at that game? Oh yeah, my! Now you know God. why I'm so bitter about everything, Chris. That, that was week 17, I believe, wasn't it? It was. Oh, oh, the first time the Bucks won in under 40 degree weather or something like that. Yes, it just. So get me out. Let's start anew. Bring on the new QB, real QB era in a real stadium. Sign me up. This is years from happening on the stadium part. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, my other concern would be, could Arlington Heights handle that that traffic? You know what I mean? Not just vehicle traffic, but like, can they... It, I I honestly don't know. Is that spot it big would be interesting? Have you you haven't been to the new facility for the Cowboys? Have you? Yes, I did. Or the Rangers? You did go once. I so did. you so being that we both lived in the area, we've been. But for our listeners, that's basically stadium town, right? It's this little area that's like just the Rangers ballpark, just the Cowboys stadium. There's going to be, of course, everything else springing up. But they put it in a brand new area to make all the logistics work. Mm-hmm. with traffic and everything in a big suburb but in that that suburb you know is is of course established but like the part of the suburb they built it in starting from scratch to make the roads and everything work and i wonder if they would you know the whole blow up the racetrack would that actually work or would they just build it somewhere else if they did it would the mccaskies do it if they don't sell are these things intimately linked there's so many questions here that would be really interesting when we get more news yeah Kind of, if you don't mind me going on a tangent here, no. um, Kansas City. I made my first trip to Kauffman Stadium this last Aha. week. Yes, I've been there as well. And they do, that is a similar thing. Kauffman and Arrowhead are right next to each other and they share parking and it's right off the highway. And uh, once we got and then out, a little village of stores sprang up around it, but it's not a, you know, that it all that exists because of the stadiums. Yep. 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 And I just, booked uh two game two tickets for two games uh later in july uh because my uh, my one uh, prodigal son is a white Sox fan so i'm taking him to see the white Sox twice as kind of his birthday present but we also got a hotel that's like walking distance mm. uh, from the stadium so it's like hey that's pretty cool that you can Completely do we're talking bears, about that hotel the bears would need to do something like that where yeah you know, and kind of what they've done at Wrigley, what the Cubs have done at Wrigley, making it like a destination and not just a... So that's, that's the other problem with Soldier Field. They can't do anything to build up around it. Yeah, there's a little bit of water on the on the right side of it. And then there's the park. Mm-hmm. And so as cool as it looks from the street, as a business move, it's a dead end for a team that could make way more off of it. Yeah. I'm sure. So if we go back to the owner thing, one last thing to note, this Pat Ryan... You know, he's he's already got like 20% ownership and he has right of first refusal oh. if they do go to sell. So I, I, I carefully say this next part. 
you could go right from a rich family to a rich family and it's just a billionaire kid's toy, not necessarily changing much. Like it could be kind of a careful what you wish for scenario. I think everyone's like, yes, McCaskies, you're so incompetent, sell. And yes, every time they talk to the McCaskies, I'm like, boy, they seem stupid for billionaires, <laughs> right? Like George says some, just some incredibly dumb things, He's right? A but the Ryan family, would it be any different? How could we possibly know? And then people are gonna be like, Jeff Bezos. I, I don't know if I want like the world's richest or second richest guy just no. screwing around with the football team. That doesn't seem to work well that often. Don't you want someone who cares about the sport more? I, I don't know if this is necessarily guaranteed to be good news, even though True. there is a change for change's sake sort of amongst the fan base. Yeah, I would hate to have a uh, Jerry Jones type, you know, that would be horrible. Yeah, as long as the owner's like, you cover the football and stay yeah. out of it. Because I think the main thing we all want is Ted to be gone since he's overseen 20-something years of miserable football. Mm -hmm. uh, and owners to be sort of more intelligent in terms of how they come off. But, yeah, could, could not really tell you how that's going to play out. A lot, of, a lot of interesting, juicy stuff there, though. Yeah. By the way, my one trip to Jerry World was uh, the Bears defeating the Cowboys 34 to 18. The Bears. There you go. Beautiful. Tony Romo had five turnovers. There were two pick sixes, Tillman and Briggs. Oh, that was good stuff. And Cutler had Cutler was great, Jay, that game, you know. You know, it's, he was usually fine, okay, good. But this was like stellar Jay that night. It was wonderful. One of those days. I had just moved to uh, Fort Worth and some friends from Chicago got us going. Nice. Tickets to the Bears. It was so wonderful, my friend. Bears. Bears. Anyway. Hey, anytime you can beat the Cowboys, it's a good day. Amen to that. All of America. One of Mitch Trubisky's great games was against the Cowboys. It was, yeah. One of his six or seven. <laughs> Four years. Oh, Mitch. Poor Mitch. Oh, now that everyone hates me and we're all depressed. So how about that Brashard Breland rumor? <laughs> well, we definitely, uh, you know, could use some depth at uh, cornerback. All for it if he signs for the same deal he signed last year, which is like one year and two million. Oh, yeah. He's That'd be very, very likely to be better than Trufant. I mean, Trufant might be the better player, but he's always hurt. Yeah. So there's another miscellaneous Bears note. I don't know why you would not want them to get more depth at corner, which I think is the thinnest position on the team right now. Probably. Probably. But I, and we said this last time, but if the defensive line is better because Goldman's back, I'm less concerned about the defensive backs, you know. Just it's just there's some the two starters are injury concerns. Yeah. And then it's young guys at nickel. So bringing in some depth there is, I think, a definite win if it's cheap and, you know, NFL, actual NFL caliber, which he would be. Mm -hmm. So, yep. all right. We have another football thing. A big football thing. Hit it. Good old Aaron Rodgers has actually, well, he's done some stuff. <laughs> he went on SportsCenter with Kenny Main and actually gave us some decent comments, like juicy comments. Very juicy. I'm telling you, this sounds like a going away commencement speech. It does. I mean, we, I still have this too good to be true thing about it. Like, the, you know, the, the, the academic cynicism and <laughs> analytical thinking that says, ah, no, man. I don't know, man. Every time something happens here, 
with Rodgers specifically involved, it sounds like a guy who's gone. Mm-hmm. The Packers have to uh, agree to trade him, of course, but Rodgers could keep no-showing, I guess. So let's let's read the some of the quotes from the Kenny Main interview. I'm gonna pull up my beverage and in my comfy chair just to enjoy this. Yeah. Okay, for those of you who can't see, Chris has this humongous grin on his face. No, um, you're gonna enjoy this. Quote: I think sometimes people forget what really makes an organization. Rogers said, "History is important. Legacy of so many people have become for before you, but the people—that's the most important thing. The people make an organization." people make a business sometimes that gets forgotten culture is built brick by brick the foundation of it by the people not the organization not the building not the corporation it's built by the people by the way so far i couldn't agree with them more uh anyway back to his quote i've been fortunate enough to play with a number of amazing amazing people and i've gotten to work for some amazing people as well it's those people that build the foundation and i think sometimes we forget that that's the, the one quote that's getting a lot of burn is the people one. But he also went on to talk about who the people were. Mm-hmm. I thought that was even more interesting because he's mm-hmm. like, let me find that section. I got to scroll down. He talked about Jordan Love. He said, I love Jordan. He's a great kid. A lot of fun to work together. Love the coaching staff. Love my teammates. Love the fan base in Green Bay. It's incredible. Incredible 16 years. So two <laughs> huge takeaways there. It doesn't mention any of the front office people unless you count the coach which you shouldn't doesn't mention the gm who he's got the real beef with mm-hmm. and then he says an incredible 16 years which sounds like sounds like he's leaving sounds like he's done even gives love to the fans on his way out here yes but we all want this to be true of course as bears fans so that that's true but i mean how many times do people say something like that like it's been a great ride. It's been a great sixteen years, you know. Well, how many times do organizations successfully patch it up when it gets to this point with a star player in sports? Period. Yeah, it uh, it is not looking good. And it I mean, the, the Packers themselves didn't patch it up with Favre, and I feel like he did less. He was just like, yeah, I don't know if I want to retire yet or not. Mm-hmm. Rogers is like, trade me, <laughs> without saying it, or I'll just retire. It's been a great 16 years. I'm just like, this seems like a lot more than the Favre thing, and they traded Favre. Yes, they did. You know what I'm afraid of happening? My worst-case scenario, and you've probably – I've seen other people suggest this, so maybe you've seen it or heard it before too, but Julio Jones, he wants out of Atlanta. Oh, and that convinces Rodgers to come back? And Yeah, and somehow – the Packers end up with Rodgers and Julio Jones. That would well, be- It is a good thing, my friend, that they are in cap hell and can't even begin to afford Julio Jones unless they lose a bunch of defensive players on top of it. Oh, that does make me feel better. Thank you. Of all the Julio Jones trade scenarios, that's one of the more unrealistic ones, but I do see it out there. I mean, I know I've, I'm familiar with people talking about it just because they want to pair him with the real QB and with obviously Adams but Rogers is also back to him he cost himself like half a million by not coming to the workouts this week that's not someone who's like ah, I'm just kind of ticked I'll get over it like he's serious about this he marches to his own beat as we know mm-hmm. but this is a guy who I feel like is more than capable of holding this grudge until he's not a packer <laughs> yeah. he's like- in Hawaii screwing around playing guitar it's actually pretty great. All his Hawaii stuff is actually kind of awesome. I like all the tweets that basically 
uh, say something to the effect of, the guy divorced his own family. Why do you think he's not going to be able to leave Green Bay? <laughs> like, and, like, we don't know the story there. No one does. But, like, he's still mad at his family, whatever happened. It obviously happened, like, a decade or more ago at this point. Mm-hmm. He's still mad about his draft position. He's still mad he's only got the one ring in the era of Brady. He's more physically gifted but only has one. Mm-hmm. He's mad they drafted his successor without involving him. Though he's nice about who the guy, the kid, was Love Jordan Love. He wasn't a victim. But that could also just be optics. I don't, who knows how they are. He's got reasons to be mad in his mind. And when we've seen, when Aaron Rodgers has reasons to be mad in his mind, he doesn't quickly forget them. So I used to be like, eh, 60 40. He's probably back. Now I'm thinking more like 70 30, 80 20. He's gone. Woo. So what's the best scenario for the Bears here? I'm thinking of that uh, that scene in Avengers Endgame where Hawkeye says to, uh, what's her name, don't give me hope. <laughs> I know, hope is awful, and I should know better by now. I didn't have any, and then they drafted Justin Fields on the night Aaron Rodgers made, his, made it clear he didn't want to be a Packer, and I was like, ah, crap. I mean, I tell you, hope has some dirty tricks up her sleeve. Mm-hmm. Hope is supposed dangerous. to avoid that. Yes, mm-hmm. Yeah. So what's the best scenario for the Bears here? Oh, that Rodgers goes somewhere else. Anywhere else. No, that Rodgers retires. They get nothing and they're forced to start Blake Bortles. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, that would be better. Yes, that would be. I get, yeah. Oh, man. I'll just take him not on the Packers roster. Yeah, go to Denver. I mean, I know he did the schedule thing a couple episodes back, but man. That Bears schedule looks a lot different if you've got a Rodgers list, QB list, essentially Green Bay team. Yep. Yep. Very much so. I mean, they're not, they're a contender with him and they're maybe 500 at best without him. Yep. It's amazing. Yeah. Yep. So we right. shall see. Stay tuned. That's going to be the big story when June 1st rolls around is whether they're going to have to bite the bullet and actually trade him. Yep. <laughs> on to baseball yeah let's leave the gridiron and head to the diamond my friend i, I want to lead with this yep. here's my segue even without rogers the packers can't possibly be as dumb or as bad at football unfortunately as the pittsburgh pirates were at baseball today Woo! i mean everybody i know that loves baseball and i have talked about this play yeah in some cell phone form or another right facebook messenger text discord you name it g chat we've all like been absolutely amazed at the stupidity on display yes so if uh everyone who's listening has probably seen the play by now but just in case you haven't here's basically what we're talking about can we, can we link a twitter clip of it in our episode oh, description yeah I, I think so i will do that yeah i can uh, try to do yeah. that anyway go ahead describe uh, it sorry all right here's the description the cubs have a man on second i don't even remember who it was at, at this point uh yes yeah, second was, not even third second second, second. and uh hobby buys is at the plate and hobby will swing at anything he swings at a pitch that's mm, about at nose level chin level nose level ground ball to the shortstop Which, it's already crazy that that's a ground ball but yeah Okay, so ground ball to the shortstop. Normally, shortstop throws the first base, right? And that's an out, right? So that's what happened. The shortstop throws, but his throw is just a little bit off. 
So the first baseman has to uh, come off the bag, but he catches it. But up the line, it's not line, a problem yeah. at all. Well, he's like three, four, five feet towards home plate on the first. Yeah. Game. So instead of, uh, well, what would you do, Mark, if you're the first baseman and you caught this? Did, did we say how many outs there were and I missed it? There were two outs. There are two outs. Two outs. Man on second. That is, so two outs to me is the most important point. <laughs> I showed this to my wife, who's not an avid sports fan, yeah. but plays along for my, you know, on my behalf occasionally, kind of halfway know. cares about my teams. Yeah. And I said, what should he do here? Like, I pause it. She's like, two outs? Doesn't he just have to step on the bag, even though the throw is bad? I'm like, yes, just back up and step on the bag. And then I play it. She's like, what in the world? When she sees the whole scene unfold. Yeah. So for some unknown reason, this first baseman decides to get Javi in a rundown. Well, Javi baits him into a rundown somehow, but it's first base and home. It's not first and second, second and third. Any other scenario, like, oh, he kind of brain farted. He could have just stepped on the back. But first place to home. I didn't even know that was a possibility. Yeah, why he's chasing Javi, but uh, I don't get it. What is Javi going to do? Go back to home plate and be like, I'm sorry, I'm on the base. You can't tag me now. It's like a child's game. Apparently, that's what the first baseman thought. <laughs> uh, so, anyway, in, in this whole chasing Javi back to home for some reason, pickle, right? I think when we were kids, they called it running bases, but now it's pickle. Uh, in the meantime, the, the Cubs runner on second has rounded third and is sliding into home face first and touches home. The first baseman throws it to the catcher late. Cubs get a run. And uh, Javi runs back to first. The catcher makes a bad throw to first. Uh, Javi is safe at first. And with the errant throw, decides, hey, I'm going to go to second base. The right fielder makes a bad throw to the second baseman. Javi is safe at second. With what should have been ground ball to short, inning ending play. What? Oh, and then the very next batter, Hap, hits a single, and Javi comes in to score. So the Cubs get two runs. And two. tell me the final score of today's game, sir. My friend, I believe the final score was 5-3, to three Cubs. So this game should have gone into extra innings, but for this ridiculous play. Yeah. Yeah, just – just. I mean, I know, I know. You don't know how everything works. Just pretend it all plays out exactly the same, except for they get that out at first. Yeah. The game goes to extra innings. I- unbelievable. Well, there's even one point where it was four to three Cubs. So you play that game, and you're actually looking at three to two Pirates in that game. But anyway, yeah, we could that could have unfolded many different ways. But how in the do you credit Javi for somehow being smart enough to bait this guy into that, or do you look at the uh, the Pirates first baseman? I don't even know his name. We may not Craig something Craig. He may not. His last name is definitely Craig might not be in the majors much longer but i don't think you can really credit javi much i mean he must have messed with the guy just enough to get him totally out of his head so maybe a little bit i'd like javi to try this on a better first base like just tries it on goldschmidt he just looks at it and laughs and steps on the bag that would be a great clip as well any pick another first baseman in baseball i don't think it works so i think the pirates part matters more than the javi part agreed but two to Baez's credit, he was out anyway, so he's like, I guess I'll try screwing with them, and unbelievably it worked. But I don't want to be a pirate! Yeah, and I mean, I love Javi, and I love that this worked out for the Cubs' advantage, but 
then all over Twitter, Cubs fans were like, this is why we need to re-sign Javi. And, uh, of course it's Javi, the king of the flashy play. Uh, meanwhile, you know, Chris Bryant so is hitting 320, has an OPS of like 1.020, has two RBIs in the game, and, you know, no one cares about that. So. Yeah, but he's, he hit a ground ball to shortstop, convinced the first baseman to chase him back and then play a wheelbarrow race with him or something. That's Javi's trade. No, he didn't. No. So this gives us a perfect chance to return to Pirates Reddit. Reddit Buckos, B-U-C-C-O-S. And I have a couple hilarious comments that I just Hit have me. to share. Because this is the Lions Twitter version of the baseball part of the show. I got I got some Pirates Twitter too, but yeah, you go ahead. Big J2143, avid listener, Big J, says three teams have already been no hit twice twice this year plays like this make me jealous of their fans <laughs> that's my favorite by far <laughs> shep boy rd shep boy rd 12 says i've been helping coach my nephew's little league team this year a bunch of eight and nine-year-olds they have been mercy ruled in every single game I'm not kidding you when I say that I could show them this play with the context of two outs and every single kid would know what the hell to do. Yeah. Yep. yep. I thought of that too. My boy's little league coach would have had a, oh, he would have lost his mind if we did something like that at that age, you know? And apparently you are allowed to run back to home play. I was trying to look into this. It's just, I, all I've seen is stuff like fans on this Reddit and fans and, and on like MLB and stuff like that saying it. So I don't know if it's in the rule book to perfectly know that, but you're allowed to go back as long as you don't run out of the baseline. Yeah, but you can't do anything. Like, you, you yeah, need- it's totally yeah. pointless. But I, I was like, one of my questions was, can you even do this? And here's another question, not that I'm caring that much about this at this point, because the runner, first run would have scored. Javi is kind of out of the baseline when he does the safe at home thing. I think you might have been able to call him out there because he's kind of towards the pitching mound at that point. Yeah, yeah. But just wild that the first baseman fell for this at all. It didn't just think to step on the bag. Yeah, it's amazing. Could he have thought there's one out? Would that have mattered? He should have still just gotten the out. It's like, what, the third or fourth inning? It was Yeah, I think it was the third inning. Maybe the fourth. No, I think it was the third. I don't remember. And if he was just going to go home to get the run, he didn't, he didn't just immediately throw the ball. He's screws around in a rundown long enough for the guy to come from second stupid and Painful. on top of that because of the the crazy force out rules in baseball had the catcher even after the runner scored if the catcher makes a good throw to the second baseman who then tags the bag before javi gets to first that run would have been nullified because of the force out rule, because of the way those rules work in baseball. Crazy. So there was another instance. They had two chances to get this out. Yeah, because Javi wouldn't have gotten to first yet. Oh, if he doesn't get the oh, first. That's wild. Now, that would have been the most amazing double play ever. For yeah. the catcher and whoever else, say the second baseman, to bail out the first baseman and the pitcher to run over and cover first would have been like the opposite of what the first baseman did in terms of situational yeah. awareness. That would have been crazy. A guy, yeah, comes goes from second and scores but then the out is nope because the the hit the batter didn't get the first in time that oh crazy. i wish that would have happened now i'm upset that it didn't that's a there's a very very old famous baseball play that involves the cubs actually i don't remember if it was 07 or 08 uh, uh not the world series it was i think the nl pennant 
Kane, uh, Chase, where uh, Merkel on the Giants, I believe, committed what's known as Merkel's boner when, uh, you know, language was a little different back then. But uh, he had a, a base hit and um, uh, runner scores. I'm not remembering all the exact details here, but basically because the runner didn't, because he didn't go all the way to first or go from, maybe he was on first and didn't tag second, um, it canceled out a run and the Cubs ended up winning the next game and going to the World Series and winning the World Series. But you can't old baseball. But if you look up Merkel's boner, wait, maybe don't Google that. Never mind. Uh, <laughs> I'll leave that one to you. Yeah. I, well, I learned about it in the Ken Burns video series. So anyway. Maybe gaff would work as a way to Google it. Could call days. it. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. And, so speaking of incompetence and baseball and gaffes, so congratulations to the Cubs, I guess, for winning a totally miserable and mostly unwatchable series over my beloved Cardinals. Thanks almost entirely to incompetence once again among the umps. Wait, before I get there, can I read you my Pirates Twitter? Oh, you've got a Pirates Twitter. I'm so sorry. Of course you can. That's okay. We'll get to the Cardinals in a second. (laughs) No, 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 I want to get to the umps. We can skip the Cardinals. (laughs) Well, yeah. All right. All right. So I got three three Twitter things here for regarding the Cardinals. The first one is from Jason Benetti, who is the White Sox play-by-play TV announcer. Even he jumped in on the action here. He tweeted, based on that play, I think you could convince someone watching their first baseball game that those were actual pirates playing the infield, like marauders <laughs> of the high seas who just docked at the park. I thought that was funny that here you yes. got White Sox play-by-play. All right. They can't be people who are well-trained to play this sport for the last 20 years of their lives. No, 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 no. All right, and then we got uh, PFT Commenter. I wonder if it's Pro Football Talk. Got a blue check mark, but he says, If I was the Pirates pitcher, I would start beaning my own players after this. (laughs) Every pickoff throw, they just try to hit him in the head with a four seam fastball. (laughs) Yeah, and then the third thing I got here it's not an actual tweet, but trending in the country after this was the phrase, There were two outs that was trending on Twitter. I see a whole lot of dumbest play I've ever seen, too. Yeah. So. Also not hyperbole, because I think it's the dumbest play I've ever seen. I can't recall a dumb play. <laughs> you can see the two runs, the two-run game, and just... Oh, the only way it would have been better is if it was later in the game. Yeah. If you had told me... If you had described the play and said, what level of baseball was this? I would have said, oh, like eight-year-old Little League. You know, like that, like somebody turning around, you know, Javi running back to home plate. That's like T ball. Yes. <laughs> I, I just, like, no, uh, you got to keep going to first, Billy. Yeah. Anyway. No, Craig, just step on the, step on the bat, turn around and step on the bag, Craig. Oh, I miss Little League days. Those were the best. Yeah. They don't even need the double play we were talking about. They could just step oh, on the bag and, and no run scores. Out. Like you said, there's no there run at all. Two outs. Oh, all right. Anyway, uh, now let's go on to these umpires in the uh, Cubs Cardinals series huh. because, you know, the hyperbole flies all the time. But I honestly think that that was some of the worst umpiring I've seen in a series, not just a game a series 
Yeah, though, can we, in the interest of time, let's just do this. That ball was foul. Yes, it was. Really bad call. Moving on, because we got to talk about the home plate ump on Sunday. (laughs) We just talked about robots calling strikes, and then that next series, we get this golden example of why robots should call the strikes. Yeah. Um, That ball that rolled foul, luckily for the Cardinals, fortunately, it was inconsequential. Yes. Uh, Peterson, I think it was Peterson, he ended up flying out to left field after that. Whereas who knows how much this home plate ridiculousness affected that game. But watching, I watching Yadi Molina lose his mind at the ump was wonderful. <laughs> I, I hey, you're it. the guy whose whose manager got ejected, and bless him for it. Yeah, <laughs> his comments were great. You got to do better. Like he's like coaching yeah. up the ump. <laughs> After he got ejected, he ran out there. Because yeah. this ump, Eric Backus is his name. This is from the Sunday, May twenty third. Uh, Cubs ended up winning two to one. We'll get to how it was a sour win even for me as we talk about this game um but yeah he uh ross gets ejected and then runs out there and is like trying to coach him up (laughs) oh it was funny um all right so here i got a little chart here of uh, eric backus can i read you some numbers about his performance yep all right here i got eric backus uh, this is from a Twitter account actually called Ump Scorecards, which I didn't know existed, and maybe they do uh, every game or every ump or maybe just egregiously bad ones. But here's what they got here. Overall accuracy. League average is 94%. That's a lot higher than I would have expected. Yes, yeah, and Bacchus was 88%. He called. See, I heard it that he was 83%. Right. Well, maybe if maybe different chart, different yeah, different chart. But we had to get the eighty-three in. There. Yeah, bless you, sir. Bless you. Uh, he called hundred and fifty-nine of hundred and eighty taken pitches correctly. So that's twenty-one pitches that were taken. He got wrong. I mean, that's a lot. If if they're on, you know, the wrong count, they can be hugely impactful. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. even even if it's two zero and he gets one wrong, and it's two one, not three zero, that's a different at bat. There was an at-bat, it was Arenado, and I don't remember if it was his, what point in the game it was, but you could just see he looked defeated up at the plate when there were two strikes. You could just read it on his face that I'm going to have to protect a strike zone the size of a sofa. Well, he came up in a two-out spaces loaded scenario where they desperately need a run, and they hadn't scored with no outs when the bases loaded. And he fouls off like five pitches low and away, or whatever it was, because – he has, he has to swing at him and then yes. finally gets beat by one and strikes out. You could just read it on his face how frustrated and discouraged he was. That like, I gotta, I'm not going to get a hit because the strike zone is a mile wide. Yeah, yeah. I, and then Wainwright was, of course, taking advantage of it once they realized it. Any good smart pitcher would. Kudos to the Cubs guy. He's just doing the, the low corner. Wainer was doing the uh, the curveballs on the corner that the guy couldn't call correctly. It was just bad all around. But I was doing the math on the – if it was 83%, I did a little math, which is really far out of my comfort zone, so everyone bear with me. That's roughly sure. one out of every six pitches he got wrong. <laughs> so that means in any decently long at bat, he got a pitch wrong on average. Oh, my goodness. Of course, with your short at bats, maybe he doesn't. So then a long at bat, he probably got a couple pitches wrong. Mm-hmm. It could also be one reason why it ended up a long at bat. I mean, it, it, the, uh, this, like, it's not a stretch to say that that dominates a game in a way that is 
far worse than other umpiring mistakes, which is why I'd still have a home plate umpire, but let the robot do the strikes. Because now both pitchers have a huge zone to work with. It's not a coincidence that the score is two to one. Yeah. And two of those runs out of the three are because of the second base rule. That's so uh, really, there is one real hit in that game. The buy is Homer. I hate. So it's really a one to nothing game. I hate that rule. Hate it. I don't care about the rule. I'm just pointing out like two to one. It's even worse. It's really one to nothing. That's how much his strike zone totally screwed up the hitters. And Wainwright had just given up like six or seven earned his last start. The Cubs pitcher had been really bad in April, but better in May. Right. But he's still just okay. And they both looked like Cy Young out there because (laughs) they had a humongous strike zone to work with. Yeah. Yeah. It was crazy. Um, Another stat here for Beckus, his overall consistency. This isn't going to be pretty. League average is 96 and he was 91%. Out of 135 balls, called balls, 10 of them were in the strike zone. <laughs> so he missed 10, should have been strikes. And he mostly, he was even worse at calling what was a ball a strike. Yeah. But you're saying he was bad both directions, which is even more maddening because you can't even get right. used to it. But 10, 10 strikes, that's three outs, you know? Potentially, yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah, just the math, yeah. It could be 10 outs, hypothetically. Mm, I suppose so. If they swing at him, <laughs> you know, we, they could go on forever on that. Yeah. But um, his uh, outside the zone accuracy was eighty-five percent, means he called one hundred and fifteen of one hundred and thirty-five true balls correctly. To and, get and twenty it, that are that far off wrong is crazy. Yes, crazy. Yes, and then inside the zone, he called forty-four of forty-five two strikes correctly. So he only missed one strike that should have been a ball so really it was mostly outside the zone that he was just calling a strike yeah yeah i mean wainwright was throwing those curves on the outside at like six inches off the plate sometimes and he'd get the strike yeah so here's it actually the... slightly favored the cubs still somehow it did it favored overall favor of the cubs was 0.07 runs rigged so... 0.07 that sounds significant it's almost a tenth of a run, yeah. But it is in favor of the Cubs, just like. But the Cardinals' offense, some days they need that tenth of a run. <laughs> it's, yeah, yeah. Um, and here, one last thing here: worst missed call. They have the, his three worst calls in terms of change in run expectancy. I like okay. That. Yep, big deal. So number one, top of the fifth inning, uh, Wayne Wright to Ian Happ. There were no outs. The bases were empty. A three-two count. A ball is called a strike. So that was their their number one, I guess, in terms of change in run expectancy. Like, okay, whatever. Number two, in the bottom of the seventh, Tapera to Arenado, there were two outs, bases loaded, an 0-1 count, a ball is called a strike. I think that's the at-bat that I was thinking of. Yeah. Where Arenado's just like, dude, come on, I can't, that's not a strike. So, yeah. Bottom yeah, of, that was bad. I remember that one. Two outs, yeah. And then bottom of the third, this is their third worst miscall Davies to Wainwright there were no outs bases empty a 3-0 count is called a ball is called a strike so that yeah, would like get you guy on base that yeah. would have put a man on nobody out in the bottom of the third so of their three worst calls two of them affected the uh, the Cardinals and significant and one was a huge spot yeah yeah bottom of the seventh two outs 
Because an 0 and 1, and you get to 0 2 with the bases loaded, two outs instead of 1 and 1, that radically changes your approach. And I think that's where uh, where Arenado had to start following all those off, like you said, because he, yep. he, yep. he had two strikes. He had to protect that zone. And like I said earlier, you could just see he was like, oh, so frustrated. Don't beat the ump with the bat. <laughs> it's like, yeah. I, I don't know what the solution there is as long as you're determined to let human beings make mistakes in a digital world that can with pinpoint accuracy and incredible speed get these stats to us yep they're never going to hide from this they're never going to be able to just sweep this under the rug we're always now going to know we're always going to have the tools at our disposal to expose an awful ump behind the plate and it's only going to get worse because eventually it's going to happen in a big moment in a bigger, you know, playoff scenario or something. Indeed. And it's totally avoidable except for the union throwing a fit about it. But again, you can still pay them as home plate dumps. You still need them. Maybe the better gig now is first base, but you still need four on the infield, right? Like there's no real change other than they're just not as involved in those particular pitches. I would think the umps would be for it as long as the pay doesn't change. Why would you want to be stressed out and embarrassed every potential game? Well, they got egos, you know. I think. I think. Yeah, I guess that's true too. Have to have a humongous ego to be major league. I am in charge here. Yeah, but you said this to me the other day. We were texting that it's like all all the umpires are becoming Angel Hernandez, (laughs) and that's Uh, right. He's the worst. Despite that guy's single performance being worst I've seen, Angel Hernandez is still the worst overall. Yeah, he's the goat of bad umpires. And then I don't know if you watched it, but there was the the Joe West love fest for breaking the umpire record during the White Sox series. I was like, stop, he's terrible too. He He might be the nicest guy ever. I know a former student of mine knows him. And he asked the guy actually is an umpire. Yeah, they say he's like does all the cool things for anyone who wants to learn to become an ump. He like sends them gear information on how to learn how to do it better. That's great. At this point in his career, he's a bad ump. I would not have guessed that. He seems like a yep. anchor. Maybe he was fine when he was younger. I don't remember. And Angel Hernandez is terrible throughout. Worst. The worst. Yeah. yeah. Um, all right. Well, that uh, finishes up what we were going to talk about. <laughs> Angel oh. Hernandez is the worst. On that happy note, we'll see you next time. <laughs> um, can I add one little commentary at the end here before we wrap this up? Of course. Up? Uh, going to the uh, baseball game the other night, Royals Tigers is a Friday mm-hmm. night. I'm not invested in either team, but it was you know nice to go see baseball. But as I'm there in the stadium, it hit me that we're coming out of this pandemic. It's happening, and it was so nice to be at a game with other people, and it was outside. Some people weren't having to wear masks, you know. Uh, the workers all, you know, are still supposed to, you know. CDC said if you're vaccinated, you don't need to wear them. Yeah. Well, NFL teams are going full capacity, announcing it already. The Bears included, including possibly training camp at Hallis Hall in August. Mm, that would be the wonderful. The sun is out. But it was just so nice, dare I say, almost moving to be out amongst people watching a baseball game amongst two teams that I really don't care about at all. But just the experience of being at a baseball game. I don't know. Maybe it's just my romanticism. How many times did you cry? I did not cry. Did you compose any songs for this occasion or in memory of it? Or will you? Maybe I will, my friend. Ode to 
Royals v. Lions by Chris Teichler. <laughs> oh, gosh. I did write a band piece about Hope and New Days or earlier this year. Okay. Um, hopefully that was that'll work someday soon. But it, it was just it was just wonderful to to be at a baseball game with other people, and it was almost normal. It was just so nice. Getting there, right? That's all I wanted to say. It's a good note to end on. Hope springs eternal for all of us at the end of this, not just because of just. Fields or Aaron Rodgers getting traded. Although that's we are back to being able to do live sports, even in California, you know, which had been one of the big hotspots and stuff like that. It's happening. So that's a good note to end on, a happy note to end on. All right. Well, thank you for listening to episode six of Barely Educated. We will be back next week to talk about hopefully some interesting tidbits coming out of whatever the bears are up to at camp or maybe it's the week after when they do that. But anyway, there'll always be something in this crazy sports world that we live in. Thanks for listening. You suck, Chris. But I don't want to be a pirate. (laughs)